and they call me Kreskin. People call me. So I'm here with someone who has a showman's flair, a comedian's wit, and the capacities of a bona fide mentalist or thought reader. Kreskin has for dec decades dramatized the unique facets of the human mind. His very name has become an integral part of pop culture throughout the world. How are you doing today, Kreskin? Oh, I am good. I mean, my God, uh, you know, folks, I've got to say almost as if he was at my my funeral. No, I'm only joking. With all of the remarks, you get all the background. That's it's really. By the way, I uh, the, the listeners will be interested and viewers will be interested in knowing that I, I learned that you now are at, out in Pennsylvania, and it's really one of my favorite states. Uh, uh, I I have uh, two sides of the family. My my mother's side is from uh, Italy, and my grandmother was a chef for royalty. So you can imagine, you can imagine, Ryan, this, the meals that we had when I was a kid after church, because like 12 or 14 of us around the table, and she had been cooking in Italy uh, for royalty, and then I was cooking here in, in New Jersey. But then the other side of my family is the Polish side, and they're from uh, Poland and what have you, and I, and by the way, I love Polish jokes, so I have to be careful what I say because we love to laugh at ourselves, and that's one thing we haven't lost a sense of humor. So you you're, you you live in a great state. Uh, Pennsylvania is a very colorful state. I'll tell you right. Yes, yeah, uh, rich in history. I, I love it, and uh, your career as well. You know, it spans six decades. Uh, so well, impressive. I'm uh, very honored to be able to uh, speak with you. The airline industry announced, by the way, you get, a, you get a kick out of this. They announced, it was just before the pandemic, so it's about, it's a little over a year ago. But as of that point in my career, I have flown a little over in my career, a little over three and one half million miles. And the, a lot of the airline people tell me, they say, we don't have any pilots that have flown that many miles, what have you. But all over the world from New Zealand to Saudi Arabia to what have you, the, the stories I can tell you are, are uncanny. And, and it, was, it was dramatic. Carson found it fascinating that here I was appearing in Japan and my audiences largely did not speak English, but I had an interpreter. And uh, uh, so I've, I've had all kinds of interesting experiences, but the, uh, flying today is an, uh, an experience in itself. I uh, I told a story just uh, last night. I was at a, at a special event outdoors where there were about a thousand people. And uh, people said, you know, have you had any things unusual happen uh, flying? And yes, uh, but being in planes sometimes endlessly, you don't think about them. But uh, one story, I can't explain this. And my work is a, is a thought reader. I... I don't claim any psychic powers, but I have the ability to tune in on people's thinking. And some years ago, and, and I'm a year, must've been 30, 40 years ago, I was a young man, I overslept and I had a program the next morning and the next day in, in, in New York state. Now I don't oversleep. I, I can fall asleep with only, and wake up with two hours sleep because we're traveling all the time and that's part of show business but i overslept and my road manager wasn't with me that day for some reason i don't know if it was an illness or what have you so i uh, drove from where i was in new jersey to newark airport and i decided to take 
And folks, I swear to you, this is what I did. I decided to take a detour. That's stupid. I mean, going to an airport maybe 60, 100 times through the years. So uh, I go a different way and I'm getting delayed. Well, because I didn't know my way. And I finally get to the airport. And in those days, you didn't go through security. You, you walked to the airport with your luggage. And I walked to the, up to the counter and they said, oh, Crest, because they knew me. I would fly out of there scores of times in each month. They said, you better hurry to the gate. They took my luggage. I went to the gate in time to see the plane pull out and take off. So I missed my flight and my luggage is on the flight. Now I come back to the counter and they know I lost my flight. They say, you know, your luggage went on its way. We'll, we'll give you another a flight to take. And it was a connecting flight and it went to New York State. There I am in New York State. I have a show that night. It's sold out. It's at a nightclub. I don't have my tuxedo, the clothes I would normally wear, but because they're in luggage, and I'm now about to be introduced. And suddenly there's a knock in my dressing room door, and I open the door, and who walks in but the police? And they said to me, you're Kreskin. I said, yeah, yes, I am. They said, Kreskin, we know you're here because when we saw these pieces, we called your office in New Jersey and they told us where you were going to be. Here they were, brought my luggage in and they brought it in on a flight I had missed, which it turns out crashed in New York State. I would have never made the show or the rest of my career. That incredible story. Uh, and, and Ryan, I can't explain it. Missing, oversleeping, and so forth. And I had no, I, 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 things like that, you just don't always know the answers, you know? I thought you'd find that interesting. <laughs> I, I do, do you believe that, you know, that's kind of like a higher power? Yes. So, yes, Ryan, I agree with you. There, I think there is a higher source of, uh, of thought and intelligence and what have you. And uh, we, something's missing in our society today. And uh, I worry about it because of our kids and what have you. But with the pandemic, and, uh, and I was working still then, not, not, not as much, but I was doing private shows and shows on the internet and shows in people's homes because they would book me privately. There were no theaters open and what have you. But at the same time, we are losing our pattern of reflecting because people are not reflecting as much. Uh, Ryan, it's very serious because when if you go out to dinner with someone that maybe uh, it's a business associate, uh, someone you're going to you're getting to know personally, someone of pri your private life or whatever, but you have a, an interesting meeting, it, it's it's nice when it's all over and you say goodbye or what have you that you kind of sit back and you reflect. You reflect on the meeting or the new person you met or the person you're going to work for or what have you and just reflect on because if you do that you'll and i'm not telling them this because i know everything i don't i know very little about a lot of things and next to nothing about everything else i say this constantly but you'll think of something that the way they said it or the shade of their voice that you didn't notice before and and uh i have to tell you ryan people are not doing that as much anymore kids got out of the habit because they weren't meeting with new friends or what have you. So this is a change in our culture that we've got to reawaken again. You know what I mean? 
Yeah, uh, I think I see that a lot, you know, with my kids, especially like, you know, the way I grew up, you know, we didn't have like, you know, uh, tablets or like, you know, uh, like, you know, a lot of the technology that my kids are used to, they don't even want to go outside. It's almost like, you know, uh, they, they, they prefer just to be on the internet. You said something very, very, that I talk about when I speak for sociology groups and so forth, and that is our internet has cut down a great deal of our communication because we're relying on these devices, these cell phones or what have you, to answer questions. So what's happening now is that people and, and, and young people are, get, are getting to learn this, which you pose their parents and teachers, teachers know that this is a problem. Uh, they're getting quick, short answers where when you years ago, if you looked up something or you did a little bit of research about it, you read a little bit of background about what it was about. But now the, the quick answers are quick, so quick that we don't really see a full picture of what's going on. And that, and you just said that people are not, they're not communicating as much. And I'll tell you a perfect example. A few months ago, I was a group with a group of TV and radio broadcasters here in New Jersey. And uh, we had been discussing this, not on the air, but we were discussing it privately because I said, you know, I'm gonna start talking about this in the interviews with me because I think it's very important. So we're now sitting in a restaurant and it's uh, 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 these three men and myself, what have you. They said, Kreskin, it's too bad we don't have a camera right now. They said, uh, I said, what do you mean? They said, uh, uh, you're talking about lack of communication or what have you and relying total, um, so much on cell phones. And so help me, Ryan, we looked around and looked at different tables and there were teenagers and there were people of college age, like sometimes four to a table five, and instead of conversing, they were talking into cell phones. And when I go, and when you, when you go out with people, you want to hear what they have to say, even if it's the latest joke or something. But that's happening. And, and folks, when you go into a restaurant, watch more and more. How would you go out with someone and look into a cell phone? That's not the communication. I, uh, I made a prediction years ago, and I'm going to, mention a, a certain, my last book I've just, I've just written a few months ago, which you folks might wanna look into and what have you, because you'll get a kick out of some of the contents of it. But I've written 22 books through the years. And the books are not fiction stories. I'm not a, I wish I, I'm not a fiction writer. And I, I love great fiction. I love great horror stories, science fiction stories, what have you. But these are things that have happened because I'm traveling so much. I have new incidents <laughs> happening all the time, Ron, you know. And uh, I, uh, I point out in my, in my writings, so, oh, oh, about three or four years ago, I made a statement and I want to clear this up because the past few months, I wanted to make this clear because some reporters who have remember reading past books of mine misunderstood. No, I did not predict the pandemic. I, I did not predict that disease. It, but what, what they misunderstood was because the, the, the book they read, what I said was like four, four or five years ago, or, or some, a little bit more than that. In the book, in one of the chapters, Ryan, so help me, I, I, I devoted a chapter and I said, I have a feeling, an intuition, and I don't want people to become frightened of this 
but I have this feeling that the United States and maybe some other countries will massively shut down in a certain year. And I mentioned the year of the pandemic, but I did not say anything about a disease. I did not know what the reason was in any way, shape or form. I, it, but, but you know, when I look back upon it, uh, people, uh, reporters asked, they say, Kreskin, what made you say that? I said, I don't know. I'm traveling all the time. I'm, I'm meeting people. I get, I hear things that they're not saying to me all the, but there's nobody knew that this was going to happen and what have you. However, I will say something more. And that is, and I've just announced it a month or so ago, but I want all of you to know I made this decision three, four, five months ago. And I mean it because I love this country. I'm very proud of being an American and I'm proud of the people that fought for my, my uncles were in the second world war and, and, and on all the people and what have you who, who, who say protected this country. But I was negotiating and you can imagine the substantial amount of money because when you hear of the president and the, his son and the millions they made uh, dealing with Ch China and what have you, and communist China and the money that was made, but I severed the plan for the contract. I was gonna be hired by communist China to for one week, and they said they were gonna have witnesses and to take me around to different professional groups to explain what it is in me that enables me to tune in on people's thoughts. I can't tell people how to do what I'm doing because it's not a magic act. It's a, it's a, but it's a, it's an experience all my life. I, I'll tell you when, you, if, when you, if you ask me later on, I'll tell you how it started when I was a kid, but they wanted me to share this and so forth. And, and uh, Ryan, I love this country too much. I don't want it known that I made whatever the amount of money is. I'm not going to mention that through a communist nation because that's totally foreign against everything I stand for. And that's all I have to say, Ryan. I applaud you for that. And uh, I wish, you know, uh, the president felt the same way, you know. I wish he did too, Ryan. I wish he did too, because you wouldn't have done that. I was a little kid, I mean, because I'm, I'm 86 years old. If you can imagine the schedule I keep. People were asking me yesterday, they said, you, you, you're going where? I'm go you're going to Italy for uh, uh, some appearances there and what have you. But it's in my blood, as you, you understand, because of your work and yet that you, you, you do this, which I think is really exciting. But uh, this, this is part of my life. I'm on the, I'm on the road and uh, there's a price you pay because you're not home as much. Of course, some of my family feels it's a blessing. I'm only joking. I'm only joking. The other thing I gotta say, Ryan, is the other thing that's there's less of because people are nervous about it and what have you. And listen to me, folks, we cannot let this become lost in our culture. We're losing a lot of our sense of humor, Ryan. People are afraid to joke about certain things. Uh, uh, five comedians, uh, two of which you everybody would you would recognize. Let me tell you something, and where do you hear this? They announced, and, and it's, it's now public knowledge because they announced it internationally, uh, they're not going to perform in any universities anymore in the United States. And, and a lot of people in broadcasting know about this. It turns out, 
folks, can you believe this? I never thought this would be the case. That if you appear, you're, you're a professional comedian, not what I do for a living, reading thoughts or as a mentalist, but you're, you're a comedian. That if you appear at major universities, you are asked to submit a script ahead of time so that they can edit what you're joking about. Joking what you're about. When I was a little boy, and I was just four or five years old, the Second World War, but at the same time, I remember going to a theater across the street. I used to go to the movie there. There was 15 cents there. I was, but I'd see the Westerns and I'd see car cartoons. And then I, I would also see the news because we didn't have television then. There was Franklin Delano Roosevelt. You could tell he was laughing. They were just talking. The news guy was talking about him, but you didn't hear Roosevelt. And he's slapping his leg and he's laughing because Bob Hope is with him and mocking everything in sight. And he found it hilarious. If we can't laugh at things, folks, Ryan, we are in damn trouble. We've got to be, we can't criticize each other for kidding about things. That's one of the greatest weapons we have of stress in life to be able to kid about things. I, I totally agree. And I, I had uh, some of that experience myself. Uh, I, I was a music artist and I wanted to perform. Are you a music artist? I, I used to be, but I, 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 did you play an instrument or what? I wanted to perform at this uh, college. I was, uh, I was a, my hip hop name was Kaiser Sosa, but I was performing at my own college, the one I graduated from. Which college was that, Ryan? Which college was that? Illinois College is a small liberal arts school in, in uh, Jacksonville, Illinois. Right. But I um, submitted a sheet for like the, it's like we have an annual show like Follies for Homecoming and like you have to perform. So I had to sing every like lyric that I was performing for the song. And then they sent me back, like, you know, and stuff and everything, like, you can't perform this song because you can't say this because this is, is considered xenophobic or, like, this is considered... And it was nothing in the song, like, if you... Nothing in it. Where you would... Nothing. Where a person would, would find it offensive. But, like, they're going over, over, over every word, every line, and, like, you would mean and stuff, just anything that you feel they feel would be, uh, like, offensive. I had a line in a song. It's, like, my song, Cali Life. And it's, it's basically about like you and me, me wanting to have a menage with trois with two girls that happen to be, <laughs> and okay. they, they wouldn't let me perform it because of that one line. Like, and I didn't mean anything at the time. I see how, I see how someone could say like you and me and stuff and everything that it would be offensive. But like in the context of the whole song, I was actually like you and me and stuff. I, I feel it was a compliment more than anything. Like, it wasn't like it was something that was like, you know, uh, I was trying to be intentionally offensive or disparaging, even like growing up. But uh, like, they wouldn't let me perform that song. And the song they would let me perform and stuff, everything, I feel it was more subliminal where it would have upset more people and stuff, everything like it was absurd. Sure. Yeah. <laughs> Who would have ever dreamt? And the story just broke four or five days ago. And I performed for them through the years. And Walt Disney loved this country that at Disney World now, they're editing out the use of the phrase, ladies and gentlemen, and also the use out of the cartoons of boys and girls. I, I, I everybody in show business I know, so many have called me on the phone saying, Kreskin, I'm in a state of shock. How, when we walk out on stage, we say, ladies and gentlemen, thank you, Whopper. It's, it's this, you don't, you don't change words like this. Even if you found out that 272 years ago, the word was used as a pejorative one, we, it's part of our la language today. There was nothing, there's nothing wrong with that. That we're reaching the point, and, and unfortunately, uh, uh, Ryan, 
some people are becoming nervous when they're with others because they're afraid they're going to say something that you're not supposed to say anymore. You can't think that way. I don't want anyone ever to feel re reluctant that way. We've got to be able to joke about anything. And, 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 I, and I use the term, ladies and gentlemen, hey, I love, uh, I love Polish jokes and nobody criticizes me because I'm Polish. I mean, this guy and, and doctors say, We're, I'm going to use that one because they, 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 the guy goes to the, and says to someone, to his doctor, I have pain here. You saw where I just said right now, can you see that? Yeah. I have pain here. I have pain here. I have pain, and I have pain. And the doctor says, young man, are you Polish? I said, yes, he says, sir, you got a broken finger. <laughs> That's we can't <laughs> laugh at things like that. I love, the, I, I, I love to be kidded all the time, but at the same, and I joke about my work because my work is very serious to me, but at the same time, you know, there's got to be levity. Yes, I, uh, as, as I've written these books, but true, but, but, but some of the things that I predicted, I couldn't really figure out how, whatever made me say something about, uh, you know, I, but at the same time, I, I had that reason for taking, I did not need that investment in communist uh, uh, China because I, I don't ever want it to be known in my life because uh, I, I believe in the, I believe in this country and the freedom of, and the freedom. And I, I was at a concert last night. I was a, was a special invitation of a man who, because, because I, I, I love, I love all kinds of music. Don't misunderstand me. I, 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 uh, I play the piano and I appeared with the new London Philharmonic Skid Henderson when he worked for the Tonight Show, devoted an entire concert, and I played the piano. I, uh, people, the people who mainly enjoy my playing are those who are hard of hearing. No, I'm joking, but at the at the at the same time, I uh, I I love music, and uh, I uh, last night was a gentleman by the name of Jimmy Stir. You may not have heard of him, but he. He has a Polish band that he's taken through the years all over the different parts of the world. And he, uh, he had me uh, attend this, this concert. They played all, all uh, Polish songs, famous poems. A lot of the songs you'd recognize because they became part of our culture. But Ryan, he ended. And there's about a thousand people who was outdoors. And he had introduced me and he said some things which were very complimentary, what have you. But, and I was sitting near the front, but when he ended the concert, it was one of the most moving experiences I have ever had in my life because the timing of it, his band had been playing not the 10 people there and his, uh, were playing all this Polish music, but it everyone stand and we all sang twice through God Bless America. And I'll tell you something, long overdue Ryan. It was one of the most moving experiences I've ever had in my life because we needed something like that, if you understand what I'm saying. Yeah, I, you know, I kind of feel like um, I read a lot, you know, especially I have a lot of, you know, African-American friends being African-American. And like one of the things I find like in my community, there's a lot of people who are very unpatriotic and they don't necessarily find like, you know, the benefit of like living in this country and like, I, I look at it a little bit differently because I've had the pleasure of serving the military. You know, I was in the Coast Guard. Were you in the Coast Guard, Ryan? Yeah. And, oh. you know, I, I look at it a lot differently. 
but like you know it's it's so much of a a benefit of being here opposed to any other other country you know instead of everything like you can literally start off with nothing and like you know and and work your way up and, and I like think, in other countries is not like that when i when you mentioned starting up with nothing when i think of some of the great black artists I know today are Nat King Cole and so forth, and the incredible music that they communicated. And, and, and there were not a lot of them in the industry, but they became pioneers in the jazz that they sang and what have you. Oh, and, and I got to, to I, I could go on with a list of the people that I, that, that, that were black musicians. And and they loved their work and they had a passion for their work. I mean, a lot of them sang with Bing Crosby and, and, and so forth. So, uh, yes, we, we, we got, we still have, we're not perfect, but, uh, there, no one is, is really perfect. And, uh, I, people say that I'm a perfect example of what's not perfect, but we won't say anything about that there. <laughs> My degrees in, in psychology and, and, uh, I, and, and yet, we really don't know that much about the mind because I can't even explain, I don't mean it to be mysterious, but I can't even explain some of the things I do, like some of the hunches I have. But you know, uh, uh, Ryan, you've had hunches in your life, some things that you don't know why you were conscious, why you thought about them or worried and so forth, and then something comes about. We don't know everything that's going on. You know, we don't really know everything. Our minds are, are, are at different levels and sometimes we're picking up ideas and thoughts that we're not consciously aware of. And that's why it's a good idea. I, uh, a lot of people don't know this, but I, uh, I jog, even though I'm 86 years old, I, I jog 20 minutes every night. I run because, and I, and I run, and I'm not telling people to do this this way. I run without ear, earphones. The reason, and don't misunderstand me, I know people will listen to music and listen to programs uh, with earphones on and so forth, but this is where I am by myself and I listen to what's gone on. Do you hear what I'm saying, Ryan? So that's my excuse. I get some of the craziest, I, I don't, some of the ideas I won't go through it because then you'd be visiting me in prison. No, I'm only joking. <laughs> but, but I get some great ideas when I'm by myself at night running through the forest, you know what I mean? Anyway. Uh, one of my favorite authors, she's uh, Florence Scovel Shin. I don't know if you're familiar with her, but she was like a, a metaphysicist, metaphysician. Was she a um, metaphysician? Yeah, yeah, and she she talked about like, you know, being connected with the universe and, um, you oh, know, like- Great, uh, yes. She wrote books? Yes, yeah, like uh, the, 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 the Secret Game of Life. I think that was one of her book, like, uh, like uh, The Secret Door to Success. You know, uh, like she was around like in the 1920s, but like, you know, she like writes a lot of like positive affirmations, but like her thing was like being, yeah. being connected to the universe. Do you, do you feel like, you know, what you do is, is similar like to that, like aligning with the universe? You know, you know, that's so, when you, when you find, and I, I'm not just saying about myself, uh, I'm kind of going to, when you, before we get a moment, I'd like to mention my, my new book, but when you find in the past, some of the great writers that foresaw the future of lifestyles and some of the problems coming up because they had a larger outlook on things. And then the other thing uh, that's played a major role in my life, I love, I love animals and I have, uh, I have four cats, which I love dearly. If I didn't travel, 
Ryan, I'd have eight dogs and five, four or five cats, but cats uh, can take care of themselves. If you do, do have a cat, or a, a, get a second one because they, they support you. And I have people every day that come in and take care of them and what have you. But I love, I, I love my animals. One, one of my cats, I, I, I had them here, but I, they're probably hiding somewhere in the house. Uh, they, uh, the one cat, uh, Sugar, if I, if I come back from a trip, I swear to you, and I walk into the house, Sugar immediately jumps on my lap it falls asleep right on my lap. So I, uh, I, I love animals. They don't betray people, that's for sure. Do <laughs> <laughs> you ever have a pet? you have a pet? Everyone have one, right? Oh, uh, yes. Uh, so we're getting a new French bulldog. Is uh, Ryan. Are you right? Oh, I love the I yeah, love so We dogs. just went yesterday and like we saw the puppy and like uh, we'll begin in a couple months. We, we had a, a one before, but it was it was too aggressive. Like the, the, they didn't get it, the temperament shot. So like, you know, uh, it was just like, you know, so chaotic. So we had to get rid of it and we got another one and stuff. Everything we think will be a better fit. So we're really excited about that, you know, getting a dog. And we're hoping to like eventually start breeding like French bulldogs. Oh, that's, oh my God. That's wonderful. That's a wonderful thing to do. I, I, I admire people who uh, uh, Howard Stern has dozens of animals in one of the, uh, rooms of his where he stays in New York dozens and dozens and he and his wife are, I, I couldn't have that many when I said like 20 30 40 that's a that's a massive challenge you know but at the same time animals uh, as I said they they don't betray people they're very special and they and they're they're very loyal and what have you and uh, you'll have good success with your addition to the family and the kids will it's good for the kids yeah, I, they they love animals. Right. My my um my oldest daughter she loves cats. So Does she like, like cats. Yeah, she loves oh them. Like, you know, it's uh it's a cat that yeah. uh lives like you know, in our neighborhood, and she always says hi to it every day. Like you know, she just loves cats. So we're looking to get her a cat. But um, That's you've had like such an amazing career. You know, worked with so many people from you know Johnny Carson, Howard Stern, like you said. You know, what's one of your most memorable moments? Well. I've had a lot of, a lot of incredible works. Carson's, they just asked me yesterday, I did 88 shows with him. Uh, Carson, by the way, and uh, Mike Douglas, whom I did more shows than anybody in, in the history of the show, they were upset with a lot, the public doesn't know about this. I, I couldn't, the last years when Carson was on, mentioned uh, uh, the phrase uh, NBC, I'm not knocking NBC, but People did not, the, the, the networks did not understand this in the early days. It turns out they erased the first two years of all of Carson's shows. They erased the first years of uh, another station, erased the first years of Mike Delusia. In those days, they didn't, people didn't realize that this could be something very special in time to come. And it was the early days of broadcasting. So, you know, a man that was on as many years as him, he was, oh my God, you, did, you didn't bring up the network name because he had other words for it, which I, they were four letter words, which you don't find in your dictionary. We won't go into that. <laughs> but he, uh, through the years, he had an interesting, uh, it got into print just uh, uh, a few months ago. Uh, I never say anything about this. And people uh, in broadcasting whom I've talked to through in recent years said, you know, Kreskin, that's a very interesting lesson you just taught me. Carson had a rule, 
and I, you know, you know, 88 shows, even though the first ones were gone, uh, he, he would he'd see me from time to time, but he had a rule. If you were coming on his show and you were in the, in the building, you know, in your dressing room, what have you, he would not see you before the show, even if he knew you well. And it's an interesting reason why. You, I think you will understand this because of your experience in communications and what have you. He would uh, meet, let's say he, was, he could meet with someone that he's known for a long time, or maybe a comedian, a satir satirical comedian, who, this is before the show, let's say, in his dressing room, they say something, oh, a funny line. Carson would love to say, that line would be perfect on my show if we bring up the person. But he also knew that you bring it up and do it a second time, it doesn't have the spark or maybe it doesn't fit as well into the thing. And he would rather that he not, that they bring up that person's name whom they were with on the air. You understand what I'm saying, Ryan? Yeah. It loses something. So I, uh, however, it's, it's also interesting that it got, it did get in the news and not because of me, I never would have said this, but they found out that while Carson did not allow any people, and some people he knew very closely, in a studio before the show, uh, there were two exceptions uh, that came into, his, came into his dressing room. One was Orson Welles, and the other was yours truly. So, um, and one of the reasons in my case, and you, you, you listeners will find this very intriguing, because uh, one, one thing, uh, I gotta tell you, uh, Ron, one thing that's, disappearing from a lot of television today because people ask me, they said, my God, you've done all these shows, uh, Jimmy Fallon on and on and so forth. He goes, is there anything disappearing? I'm not talking about news, tele news television, I'm talking about the, the nighttime talk shows. Some of the spontaneity is going away, Ryan. It's, uh, if they, if sometimes on some of the shows, if a person trips and falls or some mistake is made, the introduction is done over again. Carson would never allow, person comes on, I came on the, 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 the uh, what's the show that was on opposite Johnny Carson on, on CBS for years? Uh, you know, the- Steve Allen. Was Steve Allen? Not Steve Allen, not, this was on, on CBS. And, uh, but I came on the show and I, I fell on my face. I tripped over something. Audience is laughing and the host is on the phone like there's trouble and what have you. When we went to a break, he thanked me. I said, well, I really felt, he says, yeah, but you're just staying like that. You gave me a lot of funny lines to do because you run with something like that. You don't do it over again. And uh, that's not happening. Part of the reason may be, and I don't mean this critically, but those of you who want to go into broadcasting, let's know what I'm saying because you, you went to college and what have you. Folks, if you're going into broadcasting, you're not only go to college and what have you, but it isn't just college that's gonna teach you everything about it. You go out and have some experience, work for a, a beat up network, a local something in town. And you don't know how many people, uh, the Mike Douglas show, the guy that hired Roger Ailes who, who ran Fox for three years, uh, they, they uh, let me let me tell you, they, they said, uh, what's your experience? They said, well, I taught this in school and taught, uh, taught uh, uh, 
uh, broadcasting and taught. And they say, you haven't had any real experience. You got to work at the station where you learn, you move a camera around or you, you deliver mail and so forth. Because then when you get in the businesses, you understand, you get, you know, everything about the business, you know, the whole picture. Do you understand what I'm saying? Really? Yeah. And we're not, we're not doing that as much anymore. It's a, it's a, so the spot of, so I'd like to tell you this story about Carson. So I was gonna do something special with Carson. And I knew that he wouldn't he doesn't see you before the show. This is a true story, folks. And if I'm going over time, you stop me. No, no, no you stop me. So uh I said uh to Carson's people, uh, because they wanted to know ahead of time what I may want to do on the air. I said, you know, I've got to see. Johnny before the show. I've got to condition him mentally. And now it's not normally done. They said, okay, we'll, uh, we'll call you. And uh, then they called me back and said, Kreskin, you're going to come in the next time you do the show. We'll have you come in an hour earlier and uh, we'll take you up to his dressing room and what have you. Well, I'm traveling. And a week or so before the show, I get a call from NBC. Now, when you get a call from NBC, you got to be careful. It could be sainthood or the church or the Pope. And I'm only joking. But you really got to be very careful. Yes, what's going on? They said, uh, Kreskin, you've done a lot of shows with Johnny. You plan to do what? And I explained. They said, no, we're, we're going to insist that you not do this. We, wanna, we're, we don't want to... Ensure we don't want to take a chance with his safety. I said, okay, all right. And I, you just don't argue with them. I didn't say anything. Now, about three or four days before the show, I get a call from one of Johnny's producers. I said, is everything okay? They said, yes, you got a call from NBC that said you are not to do the test. I said, yes. Johnny wants you to know you're going to do the test. And then he told, he said what he had to say about NBC, but I can't use that language because even Ryan would have to censor me. So we were going to do it anyway. So I come in early and they meet me downstairs in front of uh, the, the, the network down in New York, Broadway or what have you. And they take me upstairs and they, uh, now, now I, I go into my dressing room there's a knock on the door and it's, 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 it's Carson's secretary. And she says, Kreskin, you're to come with me. I said, yeah, I'm to see Johnny. And I'm walking along. And mind she act very nervous. Are you okay? Yeah, I I'm fine. And we're walking. I said, please, uh, I'm not reading your thoughts, but I, there's something wrong. She says, Kreskin, Johnny does not see anybody before a show. And I said, yes, but he agreed to meet with me. She said, is everything okay? I said, everything's fine. He agreed to meet with me. She says, okay. So I come in and there's John and he's sitting at a table. People say, how does a guy's man's dressing room look? It's his office, but he has just a round small table. There's a little lamp next to it. And he's, he's got this paperwork there. It was his, his monologue in the beginning of the show because he his jokes were his pride and joy. He lived for them. He would call his crew in the morning and say, there's an article in this newspaper. Uh, do a joke about that. <coughs> there he was. I said, Johnny, let's know what I'm going to do with you. Let's go through with this. Stand up. 
I started counting. His eyes closed, his body became rigid. And then when I finished, I snapped my fingers and I said, Johnny, uh, uh, we're gonna do this on the air, trust me. He says, okay, okay, don't worry about it. So now I'm on the air with him and the crew doesn't know what I'm gonna do. They don't know it because the, the NBC had banned it. So nobody, we didn't have any, we didn't have a rehearsal to have you. So I said, Johnny, come over here, comes over here. Ed McMahon was his announcer. I said, Ed, come over here. And Doc Severinsen, come over here. That was the uh, conductor then. I said, John, listen to my voice. And Ed, if Johnny starts to fall, catch him. He says, you're goddamn right, I'll catch him. <laughs> he was suddenly, Ed McMahon says, what's Kreskin talking about? Yeah. So I count Carson's eyes close. His body becomes rigid. And I said, he's going to start to come back. Ed, I want you to catch him. Ed catches him. And it's caught him. And, and Doc, I said, Doc, lift his legs up. There's two chairs. We'll put them together. Put his head and shoulders on one chair, his feet on the other. Now he's stretched between two chairs. This is not a magic act. This is not a trick. He's stretched between two chairs. His eyes are locked and he's rigid. And uh, there's a guest on the show, a, a lady, and I asked her to come over and she won't come over. I says, You got to come over. She says, uh, no, I'm not going to come over. So finally, uh, one of the producers said, you go over. And she comes over and I said, listen to me, please listen to me. Sit on the middle of Johnny. She says, by the way, folks, if you go on my webpage, you will see one of the classic pictures that was in the centerfold of Parade Magazine all over the country. She sat on the middle of him, lifted her legs up, and there she sat in the audience, you know, got an ovation, all this jazz. I said, now get up carefully and, and walk over to the, to the side. And we lifted Johnny up and I counted backwards from five to one, his eyes open. She said, he said, Kreskin, I would have sworn that it was a baby you had put on my lap. And uh, it became one of the things that was, in fact, uh, Jimmy Fallon, one of the first show I did with him, uh, he, uh, when I came to the studio, his producers met me downstairs and I said, is everything okay? And this is at NBC. They said, we want you to, do you mind coming up to the studio ahead of time? There's no audience there. I said, fine. I come in, I meet Jimmy Fallon. It's my first show with him. He says, didn't you work with Carson here before he moved to LA? I said, yeah, I did the shows in LA, but I know this whole studio like the back of my hand. In fact, right here is where I took Johnny Carson against NBC. It was stretched between two chairs and so forth. He said, you're going to do it with me. And because of my doing with Carson, he admired Carson, I did it with him. Someday, you may be free from two chairs. I won't say anything. But I thought you'd find an interesting story, you know. I, I, I have hundreds of stories. My, my career has been like an adventure. Uh, 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 Ryan, if you can imagine around the world, all the places I've, and then what people don't know about is that I've been called in and, and, and was kept quiet for many years, except for seven or eight cases. I wanted to give something back and I've been called in on, on uh, 86 crime cases in my life that I've worked with the police on. I've only been able to help in about a third of them, uh, but I've been able to help in helping to, to work with the witnesses and solve some of the cases. 
Uh, yeah, I was uh, reading about that. The uh, and you used to teach a group uh, for law enforcement groups. I guess uh, the intuitive cops oper yeah. observational preparedness seminars. Yeah. Uh, can you talk well, about like, a little yeah. bit about like your work with yeah. law enforcement? And I wrote a book here, and I got I got to share this book with you. It's called. Now this this sounds like a weird cover. <laughs> can you see the cover of the book there? The Adventures of the Amazing Kreskin. Yeah. Amazing Kreskin. And this is not a hardbound book. All my other books are hardbound. But you know what I did? And 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 families tell me that bought the book. They said Kreskin. I, I sit with my kids and I read some of the stories and with the pictures with it. Uh, by the way, if anyone's interested in purchasing it, they can go if they want to write this. Deck. Can I mention where they can yeah, go to get it? www.kreskinbook.com. It's www.kreskinbook.com. It's the Adventures of Amazing Kreskin. And I gotta, I'm going to show you something. So there's, inter there's stories in here that people don't know about because I didn't talk much about my, my work with law enforcement. But uh, I, uh, I've worked on police cases and, 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 and some of the... By the way, can I open this up for a second here? Here are pages of Johnny Carson about to be put between two chairs. You see with that man there? <laughs> so this was not this was not some uh, uh, trick photography or what have you. Uh, my oh, what I didn't tell you, I should tell you all this. The lady who sat in, in the middle of the car did not want to. She was a nervous wreck, and she says no. She says no. She says. And she told me later on, because we had dinner a, a few months later in New York at some restaurant, and she said, I was afraid I'd never be asked on the show again. And it was Bette Midler. And she never forgot that as long as that here. She's sitting on the, <laughs> the host of the show. But I want to tell you some of the stories in here. I, uh, oh, I got to tell you, this year, your, 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 your listeners will find fascinating. Aside from my working in crime cases, one of the features of all my performances around the world, and you've probably read about it somewhere, is that I take my check, my fee, and I turn it over to a committee from the audience whom I have never met before, unless I'm doing a return engagement. If I'm back at a university, because I've done over a thousand universities in this country and in Canada, or if it's a private affair, then it's some of the same people. But if it's an audience, and, and then I'll get four or five or six people whom I do not know in any way, shape, or form. I hand to four of them, my four or five of them, my check, my actual fee for the evening. Two and one or two of them escort me from the theater. And when I say escort me from the theater, the ushers will lead us and we go out of the theater so I cannot see or hear what's going on in the theater. Now, some of my shows, uh, I have a program coming up soon as in a private home. What I'll probably have them do is to, I'll get in a car and they'll drive me one block around the, the, the city, the town in which they live in. Because while I'm out of here, while I'm not in the theater, my check is hidden by the audience anywhere in, within the theater, inside the theater. Not a place that's dangerous, but that's legitimate and what have you. Uh, I, uh, uh, when I was at Carnegie Hall, and, and people that were there remember that has four, three balconies. So it was a gigantic area that the, the check could be hidden in. So anyway, I, uh, my check is hidden. And when I come back in to the theater, oh, by the way, when the shows are outdoors, and I've done shows for a thousand, 
3,000, 8,000 uh, groups in, in mass gatherings, they will have a trailer or a, a, a on, off stage that has shades on the windows. And I go into the trailer with the committee, plus two uh, policemen or someone else who will verify that I did not see what was hidden anywhere in this mass group of, it could be 8,000 people. When I come back into the theater, I ask no questions. I, 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 but I simply take one person or two people that were on the committee and say, you're not gonna talk to me. The only way you're gonna talk to me is in your mind. I want you to think about where you've hidden this and how I'm to get to it. And i tell you something, Ryan. If I don't find my fee through the concentration of some, one of the committee members, I forfeit the fee. It goes back to the organization that booked me and the show is for free. And I mean for free. I've only failed 11 times and that's not many out of three or 4,000 times. But one of the most famous was in New Zealand because that night when I forfeited my fee, I turned the check over and it was $51,000. Part of it was turned over to a crippled children's uh, hospital and they named a wing after, I, I often visit the wing, where I often say when I come to the hospital, I could have used a room in the hospital the night I lost my money. But so you can <laughs> see, but let me tell you some of the crazy things that happened. I'm gonna show you a picture and I'm lucky, I'm lucky to be alive and I'll tell you the story why. And I'm not, a, I'm not an alarmist, I don't, uh, panic about everything I do. But this was a college. And in this college, uh, they because of the amount of people, there were going to be about two or 3,000 at the show because it was a family weekend. So it wasn't just the students and the teachers. It was parents and what have you. So they, they picked this old-fashioned theater. And the theater had a, a second, had a balcony on it. And a lot of the old theaters, Ryan, maybe you've seen them, have booths in them that maybe stick out a little bit over the, over the audience. They're, they're old fashioned and people, when they went to concerts, some would pay extra money to sit in the booths where they were slightly over, over the audience, but they're also right seeing the stage, everything is open. There's no audience in front of them and what have you. And here, I come back in the theater now it's hidden anywhere in the theater. That means downstairs, upstairs, what have you. And uh, the person who's concentrating is following me. I'm not asking them any questions. I just, just, I just, I just, I just say follow me, but don't say anything. I come into a lobby and I'm thinking it's got to be in the theater. This is not fair. Now I'm going up steps. When I get to the top steps, I'm in the balcony, and it's got seating in the balcony but it has these booths and I find myself walking up to a booth and some of the booths have uh, rods attached to them, sticking out maybe six feet because they have lights at the end that are aimed towards the stage. I guess because it's an old fashioned theater, they wanted to light the stage better when I'm on the stage. Now, and this is not, this was against the rules, I have this urge to reach out to the uh, extensions that are there. And Ryan, so help me God, the audience was screaming. I reach out and fall out of the booth. And here's a picture, that picture there, the drawing 
of how I started to fall out of the booth. This is right here. You see that, Ryan? Yes. I could have broken my neck. Talk about a blessing. A man who had, with I guess his family, had a, a booking, a seat in the booth. As I started to fall, reached and swung his hand and caught his right hand under my belt. And there I hung, swinging to the air. I could have broken my neck. The emergency people came, carried me because I couldn't walk to the backstage. I lay there on the floor and I kept saying, I want to go back on stage. And the, the medical people said, you can't, you're gonna Finally, they, they said, all right. And I, they gave me, I got me a large broom with one of those broom bottoms and I put it under my arm and I walked out. Only eight people had left the theater. They all stayed there to see that I was okay. So you can see the crazy, another time at a university and the universities are diabolical. And this is a famous story. I come, it's about 3000 university. I come up to this man in the audience who's sitting and it's, it's an elderly man. So I'm thinking he's probably a parent because this is also family week, our family weekend. And I come up to the man, I say, sir, would you open your mouth? Well, there was no check. I felt like a jerk. I said, I'm sorry, I apologize. And I walked away and I walked towards the stage. There was no stage, but they built a metal platform because it was in a gymnasium. So I walked up there. So I took another member of the committee. I said, I'm gonna go one more time. If I can't, I've, uh, let me go. And I'm, so the person's following me. I'm going through the audience, I'm walking through. And suddenly I freeze. I turn around. And so help me, Brian. I look and sitting there, Ryan is the same man, and I said, stand up. I said, listen, if I embarrass you, you just sit down and it's all over with. The money goes to the college. Open your mouth. He died. Does this have anything to do with the roof of your mouth? I wish there was a TV camera, then this would have been some television. I'll never forget Brian. He reached in his mouth, took out his upper plates, and handed me my check. Wow. I could tell, and you can imagine with college students, when I come back to universities, one time I'm walking through and I grab a man in a suit. I thought, well, maybe he's a teacher, a professor. I'm walking to the stage and I said something about a gun. And I thought, that's stupid. He's a, a policeman, he's a, a teacher. I bring him to the stage, I turn him around. I said, do you mind if I open your coat? Your coat? He says, go ahead. I open it. <laughs> he's a plain clothesman. And he's uh, got a, 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 a vest on with a gun. And I said, can I take out your gun? He said, if you're very careful, I would never do this in my regular, I took out the gun and turned the barrel towards my face. They had taken tweezers and stuffed the barrel and shredded the check down the barrel of the gun. Wow. So, so Brian, my life is an adventure. It's crazy at times. <laughs> it is. And are you still making predictions uh, on Twitter, you recently said that uh, you predict that if we make contact with aliens, it will awaken a universal mass excitement that is capable of bringing mankind together again. And like, uh, I mean, I've been watching like all the things that have been going on, like, you know, um, in the yeah. news as far as like, it seems like it's very possible. Like, you know. Oh, that yeah. yeah, let me tell you something. You brought up something very, very important. What people don't know, and as a result of that, that piece on the Twitter, I've been interviewed all over the place because they found out that I had known more about UFOs than just now. Ryan, 40, 50 years ago, 
if you think the interest is great today, it was massive in this country. People, late night talk shows had guests on the entire five and a half hours. Long John Neville would devote entire shows to UFO sightings. And some of the people, I didn't buy this as much because I'd been on with him a lot. Some claimed that they had been visited by aliens from another planet, what have you. And those stories never really had the weight. But at the same time, let me tell you some things that you don't know about and the public has not been told about. But by the way, oh, by the way, UFOs yeah, and everybody was talking about them. It, 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 it can't be done today. And let me know when we only have a, about five minutes left. But I, I flew in those years, for many years, much of the time, in the cockpit next to, on the major airlines, because in those days, the, 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 the pilots were allowed. And when they saw me, they said, would you come and sit with us? And I, I traveled around the world with them. You can't today because of security and it's very much understandable. But we would talk about UFO sightings and a man who was legendary in broadcasting, a man who was a hero of mine and I and, and was tremendous influence. And Steve Allen admired him greatly. So it was Arthur Godfrey. And Godfrey said, I flew. He says, Kreskin, so help me. There was something next to my plane, he said, and he was given permission to, to fly a lot of planes because he created tremendous interest for even the elderly to go on vacation to Florida on planes in which people weren't doing then. But he said, I flew and was something next to me that I, 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 did, I didn't recognize. I, how can we, and let me just ask you, how can we be assume that we're the god forbid we're the only intelligence i think mean, that's the support there's got to be other intelligence on the face of the earth because there's thousands of other uh, planetary existences that we don't even know about but i and 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 then we get a warning and i uh, i i don't know if this was made public but i will tell you behind the scenes because i i work with people in, in different investigating groups and government groups what have you the warning was for the government not to give a lot of publicity to the possibility of outside aliens and what have you. Well, how can we think this way that's going to uh, cripple the, the thinking of the American people or the public? So I think this could bring us together, closer together again, because when 9-11 hit, this country suddenly became closer than it had been in decades. You understand what I'm saying, Ryan? Yeah. Um I uh, have this theory that basically the COVID-19 was kind of an experiment because it's to keep people inside. So they're not looking up in the sky as much. Like, you know, like, you know, because of the, the extraterrestrial, like your know, activity is going on, there's more sightings, there's more, you know, activity, especially particularly like, you know, uh, in 2020, 2021, you know. Yeah. But I mean, uh, it's a it's a it's a different world today. But I I do believe, and I mean this seriously, folks. I don't mean this to scare any of you. I wish we did have visitations from other intelligences because I think it could be it could awaken with us the fact that we're not alone in the universe. And if they haven't if they haven't attacked us, then obviously they're not warlike. I think. Some of the greatest enemies we have are, and, and, I, and I love this country, but we have enemies that have infiltrated this country that should never be here. And, uh, and, I, and I'm not playing pro 
a politician would have you because as I said, I wish most politicians had been on the Titanic. And not, politicians love that remark. <laughs> yeah, because they think that I'm separating it from them. But we, we, we don't have the spirit that we, we once had. And, and uh, I, I, I'm sorry I, to break down the wall and have thousands entering the country and now we're finding out that they're on plane flights, that they're being dropped into small towns and what have you. We, this country is supposed to be, have been built in security. And we do, and Ryan, we do have a, I work with police, we have a tremendous security problem in our country today. We have a tremendous security problem. We need the support of police. And sure, there are bad police, but my brother was a policeman 20 some years and there are a tremendous amount. We need them badly, what have you. Other, and, uh, my, and you know what? I think one of the real tr tragedies, our politicians are supposed to reflect us. Right. I don't believe it was ever meant that most politicians are, uh, uh, not politicians, but our statesmen were supposed to protect us. I don't think it was meant that most politicians were also supposed to be attorneys because that's not reflected in the United States. It should be from all walks of life. Even people who broadcast on the internet with their own live presentation. Um, Kreskin, uh, I don't know. I, I know I talk an awful lot, but I could- I, I love it. I, I love listening to your wisdom. Uh, you're very wise and like you have a lot of insightful things to say. And, and Ryan, can I tell you this? I want to say this to you because I enjoy working with you. You keep in touch me. Uh, and a, a month or so or now, I, I may have some very un unusual things to announce that they're taking place. And let me know because I'll, 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 mention, I'll, I'll discuss them on your program. Because all you have to do is to bring up something and I can think of an incident that happened. <laughs> By the way, folks, I want to say this to all of you, and he can't erase this. If I'm on a program sometime with Ryan in person, I dare not read his thoughts. I'm only kidding, Ryan. I'm only kidding. <laughs> You're, oh, right. <laughs> you're in your 80s you're still torn and during appearances uh the all, period all over the place yeah has been uh causing covid cases to rise uh how does that affect your travel plans for the future well i i, I have both you know i have both uh, the immunization both both uh, and so forth and then and the, and the new one and then all that jazz so i've so it hasn't really uh, but in some cases there are areas where there's limitations because they're limiting it to people who haven't had injections and what have you. And uh, it's, I'll tell you though, a mistake we've made, Ron, and that is, and you look at other countries who did not, uh, that we should not have shut down schools for one year. We should never have done that because when the kids did get the d disease, it was much mi more minor, very few exceptions, maybe three or four that, that died on. We don't, that's tragedy in itself, but you can't, it was it was wrong to to sequester because Ryan, some of the students today, and I will tell you and the folks at university students that some thirty percent are also experiencing depression, Ryan, because they did not communicate much. Yeah, that's um, definitely one of the effects of COVID, and it's a difficult situation. Like you know, uh, I definitely feel for you know teachers. Oh my you know, God who are in a situation and stuff of especially teachers who are, are older and like, you know, have to like, you know, decide about, you know, like going to school or, you know, uh, possibly, you know, infecting themselves. And, you know, it's a difficult situation. It is very difficult. And yet we've got to gather, we've got to get the kids together and we've got to, we've got to meet. And by the way, folks, uh, 
listen to me, those of you that haven't talked to relatives and friends, at least pick up the phone and talk to them every couple of days. Have some kind of communication. We are asked, not, not by writing, but just by talking, because there, there's something about conversation that we don't always have, and that is the sound of a voice. I can tell, by the way, and you can ask all my people who work for me, if I pick up a phone, I can tell within 10 seconds the person is either troubled or upset or has something that has happened or has something funny. I can tell in the tone of their voice because the conversation almost has a song to it. You know what I mean? Most definitely. I think it's uh, really important to, you know, speak with the people you love and, you know, let them know that you care about them. You know, uh, you know, it's, it's priceless. I think like, you know, to call somebody and let them know that you care, you know, you know, I, uh, I uh, can't. I can't tell you how my life, without the community, the fact that I've been able to perform even in private homes, because people said we've got to have, we've got to have uh, 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 people together. And one man who booked me two years ago on a New Year's Eve. Listen to what he did, Ryan. I did it from here, like I'm doing with you. He said, "I want my people to see something outside of my house." And since we can't go to a theater, what have you, he paid for equipment to be in the home of some 38 people that were at his private home. And, and I did a show from my place for them in their home when they participated. So that was, that, I don't expect people to spend money like that. I mean, you can't, you can't always do something like that. But at the same time, communicate and, and, uh, uh, as I said last night, when when uh, Jimmy Stir ended his evening uh, with all the Polish music, they, they ended up by everybody singing "God Bless America." And I, Ryan, I can't tell you it was it's something that now it has more meaning than ever before. If you know what I mean. For sure. Thank you uh, so much, Kreskin. Oh, I know where the time went, Ryan. <laughs> it's uh, wonderful talking to you. I we must do this again. Uh, like I I. Um, I'm so honored to be able to speak with you. You know, you've become a legend in pop culture. You know, they're always mentioning you on different television shows. I get a kick out of it. Even, <laughs> on, political, even on political shows, they'll say, here's your Prescott. By the way, Ryan, I want to say something, because everybody in broadcasting knows this of me. And I'm not going to say goodbye to you. I'm going to simply say, in the spirit of broadcasting, to be continued. Most definitely, Kreskin.